Welcome back to your therapy tools. This is episode 13, DBT, Cognitive Modification. And let's start with locus of control. Now, this was coined by Julian B. Rotter in 1959. And this refers to how much you believe you can control events that affect you or how much you believe you have no control over what affects you. So either you make the life that you want or life throws things at you and life happens to you. So psychologists believe this is an essential element of everybody's personality. If you have a primarily external locus of control, you're more likely to believe luck, chance, or fate decides everything that happens to you or for you. You might be negative and give up more easily when you have setbacks. You're lacking self-confidence. You have a difficult time making decisions. Um, You're not one who will make effort to create new relationships or even repair old ones that have been damaged. And you may feel helpless when you're faced with stress or illness. So you develop that learned helplessness and you feel like a victim. An internal locus of control helps you to think that you are responsible for your successes and your failures. You're more accountable. You're less prone to having anxiety and depression. You have more confidence. You don't struggle too too hard with um, making decisions. You're able to make your own decisions without um, consulting with everybody around you as to whether or not it's the right decision. You feel more independent and achievement-oriented. You feel more productive, and you're more health-conscious. If you have a primarily external locus of control, you're going to want to make some changes and gain back some of that control, and that's going to um, that's going to involve changing your thinking or cognitive modification. So, in order to make those changes, you have to understand that you do have control, and mind over matter is so real. So, here are some tips for developing that internal locus of control. Recognizing the basic fact that you always have a choice. You always have a choice. Making no choice is actually a choice in and of itself. And you have the choice to allow other people or events to decide for you. So if you're letting other people make your decisions for you, if you make your decisions based on how life is happening to you, it's time to take your power back change that thinking, do some cognitive modification, set goals for yourself, and while you're working towards these goals, take note of every little step of the way. Celebrate every little tiny success. Tell yourself, I do have a choice. I do have control. I am making something happen in my life. And as you do this, your self-confidence will quickly start to build. Develop your decision-making and problem-solving skills so that you can feel more confident and in control. These tools 
help you to understand and navigate through situations that might otherwise damage you or leave you in a victim state. And pay attention to your self-talk. When you hear yourself saying things like, I have no choice, there's nothing I can do, remind yourself that you do have a choice, you always have a choice, and you do have some degree of control. You have control over yourself. So it's your choice whether you choose to exercise that control or not. And there is a um, self-assessment for locus of control, and it's a free PDF and it was put out by, um, Ma- I hope I pronounce this correctly, Manishaw and Dianand. Um, if you would like to assess yourself and figure out your locus of control, you can reach me at elizabethlmft at outlook.com or my website elizabethlmft.org. Let's jump into cognitive modification. So the core concept of cognitive modification is learning to be flexible with thoughts and beliefs to help you be more effective. A lot of us are told it's all in our heads. That's one of my favorite things to tell people is that happiness is all in your head. And it is because you have a choice. But here, people telling you that it's all in your head or something is wrong or inaccurate about your thoughts and beliefs. Um, These viewpoints are very invalidating. They invalidate your intelligence, your experience, and your existence. Um, The effect is that we learn not to trust ourselves and we become very defensive and guarded about our thoughts and beliefs. Then we feel vulnerable when we are asked to evaluate our thoughts and beliefs. And that sense of vulnerability and defensiveness serves to protect us from further invalidation. Yet, we continue to be harmed by further invalidation. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Dialectically, our thoughts and beliefs come from somewhere, and they make sense given the context of that place. But most of the time, our thoughts and beliefs have or have had adaptive functions, and there is at least some kernel of truth to them. So if you're in survival mode and you've met essentially the same abusive person over and over in your life, but they have a different face and a different name and they're in a different town or they have a different job, whatever the case, um, you're going to have certain beliefs and those beliefs are part of your survival skills and there is a kernel of truth to them because something happened, you witnessed it firsthand, you were abused, you were hurt. You are invalidated by a certain type of person. So when you meet these people, those alarms will go off and you will stick to that belief because that is what has kept you safe. Um, But sometimes we have a false alarm and we have to be able to differentiate that false alarm from what's really in front of us. So it's not about our thoughts and beliefs being right or wrong, accurate or inaccurate, but It's more about whether they work or are functional in whatever the situation is. So somebody who grew up with critical parents might think that all other people will be critical too. If you grew up being bullied and went home and your parents would uh, spank you or uh, curse you out or invalidate you when you tried to speak your needs, 
you might be afraid to speak up for yourself as an adult for fear of being hit, attacked, verbally attacked, laughed at, and that causes us to shut down and put up those walls and stay in survival mode. So the thought or belief has worked in the past because maybe it protected you in a world that could be mean and punishing, that shutting down, that staying under the radar thing. But when thoughts and beliefs become too generalized or extreme, they lose their function at times. So it's like that example I give all the time. If I date a hockey player who's rude and disgusting and I do a general sweeping judgment on all hockey players that they're all disgusting rude nasty men Um, that's not really true I'm sure there are some out there who are fantastic respectful um, wonderful men so we make a sweeping generalization I've even heard people say that um, because they were abused by somebody with brown eyes they don't trust people with brown eyes or because They were abused by somebody with a specific name. They think everybody who has that name is a bad person. And that's not necessarily true. And and this is especially common with um, men who have been with very toxic women. They suddenly have this sweeping generalization that all women are toxic, money-hungry, scheming, promiscuous people. And the same goes for women. When they've been hurt by men over and over with a lot of failed relationships, they don't trust themselves to pick another partner. And they have this generalization that all men are pigs, dogs, liars, worthless, cheaters, everything else. Um, And when they see somebody who says they have a good man, they're reluctant to believe it. And then they also alternatively wish that they could find one that was good for them. So as an alternative to globally applying whatever that core belief is, it's useful for people to see whether the general thought or belief about critical people works in a specific situation. A dialectical shift in the thought or belief could be more effective in many ways. Dialectical shifts lead to more flexible thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, others, and situations, and the world. Um, The key to dialectical thinking is to be in wise mind, where emotions can be validated and reason can be accessed. So this workbook focuses on cognitive methods for shifting thoughts and beliefs and also looks at common stuck thoughts where we feel like we're in quicksand and we can't get out of it. And this is on page, um, I'm working through page uh, 173 of the Lane Peterson and Courtney Sidwell Peterson workbook for dialectical behavioral therapy. It's the skills training manual. I highly suggest you grab a copy. Okay, so moving on. Reason, R-E stands for reason. That means you're going to check your thinking and validate your emotions at the same time. So you're going right into that wise mind. The goal with thinking is to have it be flexible, to be functional. So the skill below can be used to check the thinking and beliefs while validating your emotions. The skill is reason. And of course it's an acronym. So R stands for being rational, E stands for emotions matter. 
A stands for alternative views, S is self-trust, O is old beliefs, and N is new thoughts and beliefs. So rational, the R. Is the thought or belief coming from reason or wise mind? Does it work in the present situation? Remember, we all get stuck in thoughts and beliefs that really don't necessarily work in all situations. So be non-judgmental with yourself. Remember that your thoughts and beliefs make sense given the context from which they originate, even if they do not work in the present situation. So you can both validate why you have the thought or belief and shift it if you need to. Check your thoughts and beliefs with a trusted friend, a family member, a therapist, or another person. Be open to shifting a thought or belief to better fit the facts. So if you don't have somebody to process it with, process it with yourself. Sit down and write down what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Is this an old survival skill type of thinking that protects you or is this in context to the current situation given all the facts are you emotionally flooded are you in wise mind are you able to rationally look at it and do you need to alter the way you're thinking about it in the moment emotions matter validate emotions are important and the information they provide is important Sometimes emotion gives us the most accurate information, while other times emotions can distort the facts. So validate your emotions and learn the difference between when they help and when they do not help effective thought processes. So if you're emotionally flooded, obviously you cannot be making a decision in that moment. You need to stop and give yourself a break and come back to it when you're in wise mind. Um, If your emotion is that you're feeling hurt and the fact is that somebody is truly being abusive, aggressive, bullying towards you, then you, you can make the decision to break ties with that person, take a break from that person, um, do what you need to do to get rid of that distress after you sit with it and realize what it is. But validate your feelings. It's valid that I feel hurt right now given the fact that this person just said whatever they said. It's valid that I feel cheated right now given the fact that I've worked 60 hours a week and I did not receive the promotion or even a raise. It's valid that I'm feeling irritated because somebody just cut in front of me in line in the grocery store without asking Um, so validate your feelings but make sure that your feelings are not um, overwhelming you to the point of responding in a in an old pattern alternative views this is your dialectic piece Um, you'll develop alternative views to consider alongside the original thought or belief that you're having So take time to evaluate how each alternative view might work in this situation. Will a different place on the dialectic be more effective in the present situation? There are a lot of ways to think about the same situation. Be open to other perspectives and interpretations. And sometimes 
sometimes it helps us to do this by putting ourselves in the other person's shoes and looking at it from a different vantage point. And also you want to look at yourself and ask yourself, am I hungry? Am I tired? Did I get enough sleep? What are my vulnerability factors? Um, if I were in a good mood, how would I look at this? Would I let it bother me? Um, would it be different than how I'm feeling in this moment? And self-trust, developing self-trust. When you've been chronically invalidated, you don't trust your own thoughts and beliefs. You begin to notice times when your thoughts and beliefs work well and you give yourself credit. When you learn to trust your thoughts and beliefs during these effective times, you develop that foundation needed to recognize when shifting thoughts is needed in other situations. So you develop a stronger internal locus of control. You develop more confidence. You learn to trust your own beliefs and opinions and you validate yourself. The next is old beliefs. So respect old thoughts and belief systems. Uh, they served a great purpose for you. They helped you to survive. And the goal is not to negate your old thoughts and beliefs. Um, in time, those thoughts and beliefs that are no longer useful will disappear on their own as you relax into letting go of survival mode. So make sure you have a balance. You're not going to completely get rid of um, your superpower of being intuitive and knowing when you feel a person's energy who's maybe toxic and you get away. Don't override that and say, oh no, I don't need to listen to my intuition because that's an old survival skill. No, balance it out with new, new thoughts and perspectives and whatever's not useful and what is uh, basically holding you back, it will eventually fade. New thoughts and beliefs New thoughts and beliefs will bring new options on how you think about you, how you think about other people, how you view the world, and the situations you find yourself in in this world. So the ability to think dialectically will just become part of your um, behavior. It'll be second nature for you. And new thoughts and beliefs will start to create a more satisfying and happy life and put you in control rather than saying you have no control because life happens to you. Now you can say, I make my life happen. Let's take a quick break and I will give you some examples of dialectical shifts in terms of stupid thoughts or cognitive distortions. So we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and we're back. So looking at dialect, dialectical shifts. When we're engaging in stupid thoughts, and if you haven't reviewed the stupid thoughts episode, scroll all the way down to the bottom of your therapy tools. It's the very first episode. 
Um, you want to identify which ones you engage in the most and then you want to work on reframing those and shifting that thought process. So with black and white thinking, it's either or, it's all or nothing. Uh, words that signal this are words such as always, never, every, all the time. And black and white thoughts feed emotional extremes and rarely work well. They usually cause emotional flooding, helplessness, um, rage attacks. And this thinking le leads to rigid and inflexible uh, behaviors like resisting and refusing in, in situations and relationships. You become very stubborn and stuck in your thought because you just can't see the middle ground. So try not to use the words always, never, every, and all the time because you don't get disrespected all the time. You need to look for the times when you have been respected. Look for the times when you were neither disrespected nor respected. You were just kind of treated in a neutral manner. Um, you can't say I always fail because that's, I bet you that's not true. I bet you have succeeded at something at some point. You can't say I never get to do what I want to do or you never help me clean the house. I'm sure there's been a time or two when somebody has helped you. So describe, think about a situation where you do this all or nothing thinking and describe a specific situation that is personal to you where you might say, I never, I always, or this happens all the time. And if your thoughts seem extreme, think of opposite thoughts and beliefs. Start to identify the middle ground. Uh, you might not believe the opposite thought or belief in the moment, but the intention is to practice that flexibility in your thinking. Um, so regret orientation. This is the, the shoulding that I talk about, where you're saying, I should have, I would have, I could have, or even like hindsight bias where you look back at a situation and say, oh, I knew I, I knew that was going to turn out that way. I should have done this. I could have done that. You, you think about an argument or you think about somebody treating you rudely or disrespectfully and you lay in bed at night and ruminate over it for days, weeks, months, even years sometimes. And, and you start to create these scenarios like, oh, I could have uh, done this. I should have done that. Forgive yourself. It's really easy to look back with information that you have now and feel regret for what you did or didn't do. Um, regret orientation keeps us stuck in the past. So we're staring at that door that's closed rather than looking at the door that's opening in front of us and we just get stuck. So it's important to focus on what you can effectively do now and to dialectically shift this regret orientation, stop dwelling on your past mistakes, focus on what you can do, and be effective in your present moment. Think about radical acceptance. The next one is mind reading. So a lot of times we believe we know what other people are thinking, and that causes us to feel or act in a certain way. Um, 
Most of us are not really good mind readers. Um, sometimes we pick up on certain energies or we, um, we can read somebody's facial expression or tone and sometimes we're correct, but most of the time we really can't read other people's minds and our feelings and actions are not based on very accurate information. So you're kind of jumping the gun. You're kind of, um, jumping to conclusions. So when you catch yourself mind reading, check out your assumptions with other people, especially the person's mind who you're, you think you're reading and use the dear man skills in this situation. So if you think that somebody is judging you, you may want to ask them, what are you thinking right now in relation to what just occurred or to what I just said? You want to make sure you get the facts and give them the benefit of the doubt. If it's a toxic person, you know, radical acceptance, they are who they are. You're not going to resolve this. Um, especially if it's a narcissist, but, um, you know, most, most people who are not narcissistic, they will tell you what they're thinking or what they're feeling in the moment. And, and sometimes we could be dead wrong. You know, how often have you seen somebody looking at you with a facial expression that you're interpreting as they're judging you or they don't like you or something to that effect? And later you find out they weren't feeling good that day, or they just had a bad breakup that day, or they were just having a stressful day and they happen to look at you and you happen to read too much into it. It's happened to the best of us. So you want to really use the dear man skills in that situation. And let's look at minimization. You're minimizing, um, you're taking something large or significant and you're reducing it to something very small. You're minimizing things that matter. You're minimizing yourself. And um, we do this to reduce the emotional impact of a situation. And the result is that we end up invalidating our own emotions. And we also do this when we don't want to face a difficult reality. So the dialectical shift is to observe and describe your situation with facts, without adding or subtracting to it, and validating your own feelings. And then we look at magnification. Um, That's the opposite of minimization, of course. And that happens when we take something that is small and we exaggerate the hell out of it into something huge. So maybe a kitten, looking at a kitten through a magnifying glass and you're seeing a giant tiger. And the result of magnification is amplifying our feelings or escalating ourselves. So like with minimization, you want to observe and describe your situation with facts. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Just look at what's right in front of you and think about the facts of the situation. Don't let yourself become um, emotionally flooded by, you know, catastrophizing, which is the next one on the list. Catastrophizing is an extreme form of magnification. So you're taking a situation and you're continuing to build it and build it and build it in your mind into this huge disaster with horrifying consequences. You might say, um, 
you know, you're, you're magnifying something small. Like I saw that this person looked at me with kind of a neutral face and I, I took that as they didn't like me. And then you lay in bed and think about it. And you think about other times you've had interactions with that person, even if they were positive and you start adding little things here and there. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally building a case against this person because I walked past them one morning. I remember saying good morning and they didn't say anything back. And that was probably the second time I ever saw them at work. And oh yeah, and you just start building on it. And then you get to a point where you can't stand that person. They're stuck up, they're this, they're that. And you've never really taken the time to get to know that person. And so you've catastrophized it into this huge situation that, that's not necessary and causing yourself stress and causing the other person to feel uncomfortable around you, uh, thereby making your, your crazy little theory true. So you take something super small and you just build it into this big disaster. So the dialectical shift is to focus on one situation or problem at hand. Do not exaggerate it. Do not add your dramatic flair. Um, remember that a lot of situations don't end up with the extreme and crazy, devastating consequences that you think they will. So take one thing at a time, purposefully catastrophize to the point of absurdity to help yourself see that your fears are not realistic. So you can take your situation and look at it factually. Do not add to it. Do not add your dramatic flair. Do not add a whole bunch of adjectives and qualifying statements to support your case of blowing it out of proportion. Shrink it down a little bit. Not minimizing, but just shrink it down to just the facts. Leave your opinions. Leave your judgments out. Leave all of that out and write exactly factual, step-by-step, what the situation is. And then you can also... Go ahead and write down all of your opinions, all of your emotions, and your big catastrophizing story on another piece of paper and compare them to each other. And that'll help you see how you blow things out of proportion, and it will help you see that you can shift your dialectical thinking into another perspective with more fact-based information. Um, Fortune-telling or crystal ball-gazing. This is when you try to predict the future, and it's usually in a negative way. If you're struggling with anxiety, you do this all the time. Um, The truth is most of us are not very accurate in predicting the future. How many times have you made a plan to go somewhere and you decided not to go because it would be a disaster, because nobody will like you, because you're sure you'll be bored out of your mind, and then you end up going because somebody's holding you accountable and they're not going to let you cancel or you push yourself to go anyway in spite of your brain screaming no don't go and then you get there and you realize you're having a good time and nothing bad happened so think about those times and to do the dialectical shift rather than letting those negative uh, predictions of the future make you freeze and avoid Focus on what you can do effectively right now to cope with the problem. And you might want to use the urge surfing, sitting with the emotion, 
Like, okay, I feel uncomfortable. I feel some anxiety coming on. However, I am going to face this situation and I will more than likely have an enjoyable experience if I don't listen to the anxiety telling lies in my head. So stay in the moment. Um, Overgeneralization. That's my example with the hockey players. That involves taking a small bit of information and applying it broadly across all kinds of people and situations. So don't assume that your knowledge fits all people and all situations. Acknowledge that your when your information does fit and look for times actively when it does not fit and be open to not knowing everything. Be open to not being the smartest person in the room who can do sweeping, generalized judgments on everything based on one small experience. Okay, selective information gathering. So you're um, using your mental filter and your confirmation bias. So this is the negative filter and confirmation bias, which is when you look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes we only gather information that fits with our current thoughts or beliefs. If you've been in survival mode for a long time, that's how you're operating. So this approach tends to validate our thought or belief, but it can lead to poor choices due to poverty of information and viewpoints. To shift this way of thinking, you have to gather information actively, gather viewpoints that are different from yours, and remember that you don't need to agree with different perspectives, but they may lead you to greater flexibility and more effective choices. So you want to look, want to look for what's good. You want to look for the facts. Don't just focus with your negative filter and your confirmation bias that I knew it would be terrible, so therefore it is. Um, try to try to shift yourself away from that, and sometimes it helps to process that with your therapist. Track when you're thinking that way. You know, I always tell everybody. When it comes to stupid thoughts, you, you want to track the ones you engage in the most and process it with your therapist and, and start practicing those reframes and get yourself out of that um, stinking thinking or cognitive distortion mishmash that goes on in your brain. You want to really get out of that because you literally can rewire your brain and it's important to work on that if you want to see positive changes in your life labeling and judging this is an approach that takes a person or situation and reduces it to only a name labels fail to look at people and situations in a more holistic manner and you miss important sub subtleties or nuances so um, labeling of course you know stupid I'm stupid you're stupid those people are stupid Um, men are all animals Women are all Jezebels, you know, whatever, whatever the label is. <clears throat> so the shift in this is to let go of the need to label people or situations. Instead, just observe and describe with a non-judgmental wise mind stance and understand that the world is more complex than just labels and judging. So you're also looking at a middle ground here. This is almost like jumping in the middle of the black and white thinking, right? 
um, personalization. That's when you're making it all about you. Even when situations feel personal, usually they're not. And we might feel the weight of the world when we take on so many situations and other people's issues and problems in a personal manner. We may feel like everything is our fault. We may feel somehow responsible for bringing joy and happiness to others. We may feel the whole world is on our shoulders. So to shift this, you need to use Teflon mind. And most of the time, remember, it's not about you. Take responsibility for what is yours if it fits your wise mind observations. And then gently release and let go of do not attach to everything else. Emotion mind reasoning. That's when having your thoughts and beliefs come from an emotional place without factoring in reason or wise mind. So you want to use the what and the how skills to access your wise mind and use distress tolerance skills to soothe your emotions before you shift your thoughts and beliefs. The should statements get you stuck because you're focusing on judgment rather than the reality of the situation. Reality unfolds in ways that maybe don't fit your preferences because what should happen. Um, Focus on what is, not what should be. Stop shooting on yourself and other people. So, discounting positives. Often we focus on the negatives and the downside of the situation and we're blind to the positives. Sometimes we minimize or negate positives about ourselves, others, the world, situations. Discounting the positive is undialectical. So discounting the positives is anti-DBT. You want to avoid that. You want to seek out the positives, look for the silver lining, look for the lesson in the situation, own the positives about yourself, give yourself credit, look for the positives in others, And even when somebody's negative, try to find something that is positive about them and wish them loving kindness and self-acceptance and healing. Maybe not out loud to their face, but in your heart. Push that out there like a care bear. Make sure you're sending love and light. Blaming. Everybody's responsible except for us. That's the locus of control. The external locus of control. Everything happens to us. We're the victim. It's everybody else's fault. We had no part. Okay, dialectical shift. Someone or something else may be responsible for a problem, but your power and your control come from focusing on how you can influence a situation and how you can influence your life. Sometimes that that influence is is merely made by just choosing how you respond. Okay, let me turn the page here. These pages are stuck together. <laughs> and last but not least, diffusing. Diffusing is a mindful way to separate yourself from your thoughts and your beliefs. It will lessen the impact of negative thoughts and beliefs. So the technique called diffusing, it's part of acceptance and commitment therapy. 
by Hayes in 1999. It can help us observe and describe thoughts and beliefs mindfully with less negative impact. With diffusing, you're, you're removing the personalization from your thinking by making small changes in the language of your thoughts and beliefs, effectively separating yourself from them. To use diffusing, you want to work on describing thoughts and beliefs in a way that are not about you. Instead of saying, nobody likes me, you say, I'm having a thought that nobody likes me. Instead of saying, I can't do this, you say, I am thinking that I can't do this again. Instead of saying, this is stupid, you say, I am using a judgment word in this moment. Instead of saying, I'm fat or I'm ugly, you could say, I'm thinking that I'm ugly again. I am thinking that I am fat. I am labeling myself. Thoughts are just thoughts, and they only have the power that we give to them. And diffusing decreases the power of the thoughts hold on you, reducing chances of emotional flooding and self-loathing and negative self-talk. So practice diffusing. You accept rather than judge or fight your thoughts and beliefs. By doing so, you remove much of their emotional power and you stay unstuck. You accept it and you diffuse it. You don't fight it. You accept it. You forgive it and you release it. I hope today's episode was helpful and I hope that you will work on that reframing and increase your locus of control and realize you can create the life that you deserve, a life that you will love, and you can get through those hurdles that you yourself put in front of you. You have a choice. You always have a choice. That is exciting. Thank you so much for tuning into your therapy tools.